0: More good news on the recovery from Brock Purdy's elbow surgery on schedule and steps it up in his throwing program. And Pro Football Focus ranks the defensive backs around the NFL. Where do the 49ers show up on today's Locked On 49ers? You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. welcome to lockdown 49ers Brian peacock and Eric Crocker at BD peacock at Eric underscore Crocker thanks everybody for making this your first listen on the lockdown podcast network your team every day appreciate all of you everydayers out there make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts we got a lot of uh we got a lot of news today Crocker we're gonna talk uh, pro Football Focus rankings of the of the 49ers defensive back group and how that mixes in with the rest of the league. Uh, but we got a little nugget dropped on us by Tom Pellicero. And he said, quote, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is headed to Jacksonville today to throw the next couple of weeks with quarterback coach Will Hewitt and ortho specialist Tom Gormley. Another sign Purdy is progressing through his rehab following elbow surgery and remains on track to be ready for the 2023 season. How would you put this report on the level of one to 10 crock on the excitedness for Brock Purdy's return?
1: Gotta be super excited, especially if you're Kyle Shanahan. You know, one of my biggest things have been Kyle not being able to just have a good offseason with his quarterback. There's always just something kind of going on leading into the season, weird dynamic. Uh, remember, last year it was like Trey Lance was getting all the reps, but Off to the side, throwing behind the bleachers, we had Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the closer you get with Brock Purdy returning to being his normal self, I think the more comfortable he gets and the fan base gets with the start of the season come week one.
0: Really good news. I mean, it's just another checkpoint, right? Anytime there's an update with no setback is what you're looking for with Brock Purdy. This isn't a new thing. This is just on schedule for Brock Purdy. Uh, as long as you don't hear a report about a setback, that's when you start getting worried for Brock Purdy's recovery. So right now he's still within that six-month window. The exact six-month window would put him at uh, the the opening weekend of the of the NFL season in 2023. But there's some talk that maybe, um, you know, it's not exactly six months. It's more like, you know, uh, six four-week blocks, which is actually less than six calendar months, which you put it more like August 25th or whatever it is. So um, right now he's progressing as expected and looking good to be cleared by the time the season starts. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll find out more when we get closer to it. Cause he has to actually, actually be cleared and we'll see what he's doing when he's at training camp. But again, the big news here with Brock Purdy, anytime there's a Brock Purdy update is, was there a setback? And as long as there's no setbacks and he's, he's hitting every checkpoint he needs to, that is good news for Purdy. It's good news for the San Francisco 49ers. So um, yeah, I, I still doubt he plays any preseason games, but, there is a chance he's doing something at training camp and I can't wait to see what exactly that is.
1: Sounds like right now. And again, I you know, I'm not Crocker MD, I ain't no doctor or anything like that, but sounds like it's kind of pretty smooth sailing for Brock Purdy from here on out, right? Like right now it's has anything it has nothing to do with the actual healing of the elbow. Now it's just getting everything prepared for him to go full go with throwing. So I think the actual like recovery process in the sense of the the surgery and it. everything yeah, like going the, back to normal. I think that's good. Now it's just all right throwing a football harder and harder, and going from there. So as far as setbacks, I'd be like shocked if there's any setback from here moving forward.
0: Oh Doc Doctor Crocky in the house. I Dr. like Doctor Crocky. Uh, I mean, he is the doctor of drip, but I didn't realize you were so good with uh, your, uh, your ligaments too. Yeah. So that's the way I understand it as well, though. Like the, the the healing part of the ligament is over and obviously you don't want to strain it because there needs to be, you know, a lot of strengthening that happens. And then you have to ramp up your throwing program. And that's where he is right now. And that's why he's with a QB coach and an ortho specialist at the same time during this period, because he's, he's at the ramp up stage of, of his throwing program. So. Uh, that is exciting stuff and and I can't wait to see what he looks like once he does start throwing. Is there a little more for Brock Purdy? you know, I'm sure he's been strengthening a ton of things and there are probably some muscle groups and some uh, places in his body that are going to be even stronger than they were before. Does that mean he gets a little tick of extra velocity, which could be huge for someone like Brock Purdy. And on the other side of it does does he get back to where he was because that would be huge in the wrong direction if he doesn't quite have as much velocity uh, velocity as he used to have on his throws? And how long will it take to be 100%? Like, I wonder if there's like, okay, you're cleared, but your arm strength isn't quite all the way to where it's going to be for another couple months. That would be interesting right. too.
1: Well, we might have to have Will Hewitt on then. And, uh, you know, I've had him on my YouTube channel, so maybe he'll come on here and, and talk about it. I know one thing that he did discuss with us before was that Bro- Brock's, his throwing velocity before working with him for a combine prep, it wasn't great. And he actually improved it like I don't know, four or five miles per hour. So if there is anyone that probably can help him start to kind of get that velocity back, uh, that he had, and maybe even a little bit more, it's, it's Will Hewitt. And, uh, he's a, he's an Aussie. So, okay. He, yeah. He's an Aussie and, and he, he correlated like throwing with something else. I got to go back and watch it. We had him on some months ago, but, uh, Really good, great, you know, insightful guy. And the work that he did with Brock Purdy, you know, is it's it was pretty legit heading into the draft process. And I think, uh, moving forward, of course, if you're Brock Purdy, it's like, let me keep working with the guy that that truly helped me out in the draft
0: process. Well, maybe they can uh turn over some couch cushions and find another five miles per hour in there this time when he works with, <laughs> with Coach Hewlett. <laughs> that would be fantastic for Brock Purdy, right. Yeah, we got to get. Can
1: uh, we talk about a little bit the the importance of that? Because I think a lot of people think of having a big arm and throwing the ball down the field. And that's not necessarily what we care about. It's just, it's really the velocity part, the ball traveling from point A to point B as quickly as possible, especially on some of those draft throws where he excelled in that 10 to 20 yard range. But can he excel in 10 to 20 yards in tight windows? And that's where you need the velocity. So, uh, obviously, Kyle Shanahan's offense doesn't call for him to need to have that all the time. But if there are those times where, man, he needs that extra little oomph on the ball so that it doesn't hang for a defender to kind of get there and hit a a guy in the chest, then that extra, you know, little velocity would truly help. Even driving the out route. Again, uh, being able to do certain things. With, and, again, it's, it's so funny because we hear, you don't got to have a big arm. You don't have, And it's like, Yo, you, you don't until you do. And there was a throw that he really got in trouble with. And I'm pretty sure most 99% of people overlooked it. But I was actually at the game and I was watching it from end zone view against Washington. And he threw this out quick out route to Brandon Ayuk. And the ball, like, fought back inside. But he didn't have, like, his feet underneath him. So he kind of had to use all upper body. And the ball kind of hung on the quick out. And I was like, oh. That was that was kind of ugly. Like that's kind of worrisome. But if you add a little bit of velocity to it, then that's the part where the guys that just have bigger arms, they can fire that out there without having their feet underneath them, as opposed yeah. to somebody like Purdy, who might need a little bit more of his feet under him to drive that that out. So that that's where having the bigger arm will really help him. And, and if he does that, then we're talking about him truly taking his game to the next level.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it opens up the ceiling and you're exactly right there. It's, it's not about the timing stuff and the short to intermediate and, and Brock Purdy's fine there. And when his cleats are all on the ground, he's, he's got good zip on it. He's really good throwing on the move. Um, But it's like when you're running left, trying to throw back to the right or, you know, when you're kind of things are a little bit awkward with your lower half, can you get that ball out there? We've seen some weird balls float for him, um, you know, deep outs and, you know, the far hash and, and the far sideline when you're on the right hash or versus left half or whatever, back and forth. Uh, the first that
1: Brandon Aiyu, right, where it was a double move, he's about to get hit, he launches the ball out there as he's getting hit, and the ball ends up on the, what, five yards short. Ayuk had to, like, stop, like, stop, turn around, catch the ball. He, he was so wide open, though, but, you know, one, imagine if he wasn't as wide open, but right. because of the pressure, you have to throw regardless. What would that look like? And if you have a slightly stronger arm to just be able to muscle that out there a little bit more with your upper body while not being able to step in because somebody's about, about to hit you, that's where the arm strength comes into play. So, again, it's not on a, you know, 100%, you just got to have this big arm. Right. I always like to say, man, you don't need it till you need it. And there are certain instances where he got a little, a little lucky. You know, and shoot the 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 throw to Juwan Jennings. He had a lot of luck. That's why there's some people with some of his areas of where he was throwing the ball where it's like, uh, it might not quite be that good again. But Juwan Jennings, there's his play against Tariq Woolen. it was a play action. And everybody keeps talking about, oh, you got burnt, uh, Tariq Woolen got burned. First of all, it was a play action. <laughs> and Tariq Woolen stepped up and all of a sudden Juwan Jennings is behind him. But man, Brock Purdy threw that ball inside and it's like you, you know, that's when you need the bigger arm, right? Because if the safety's eyeing that, that's an interception. Luckily, Diggs was going for the man and not the ball. That ball needs to be outside, and that's where the bigger arm comes into play, that deep over, that interception he threw against the Raiders, right, where he didn't get his lucky on that one, where he they tried to run that little route, and all he had to do was throw it to the open area, but he just couldn't get enough on it. So, again, the big arm, you don't need it until you need it, And if he's able to work and just improve that velocity or arm strength a little bit more, now you're cooking with hot grease because he already played exceptionally well last year.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and for sure, you can't, he can't really afford to lose much velocity if that's what is the end result of this whole elbow surgery. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that, keeping an eye on what he's doing at training camp and, and when uh, he's hitting more of his checkpoints as he gets ready for action to be cleared for the 2023 season. Everything looking good for Brock Purdy. Stock defensive backs. Where does Pro Football Focus rank the 49ers defensive back groups 1 through 32 in the NFL next? Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by America's number one sports book. FanDuel, baseball season is here. It's in full swing. And there's no better place to get in on all of that action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is right. You heard me correctly. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanDuel.com. Slash locked on to join today, and you will find tons of daily specials at FanDuel. Uh, I, I I love the the ability to create your own parlays and just how easy it is to utilize the app. How easy it is to use the website at at FanDuel and really build any kind of bet that you want with any sport nba season's over tons of nba bets to be made uh nhl season's over now tons of nhl season uh, bets to be made of course baseball all summer long and you can bet on any week already there are lines for the nfl season rookies of the year coaches of the year super bowl champions 49ers over under 10 and a half wins don't miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today Go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, here we go. Pro football focus, we talked about the offensive line ranks, and it might have been a little disrespectful, but I understood where they're coming from with uh, the 49ers offensive line rankings, and I was actually, crock a little pleasantly surprised how high they had the 49ers defensive backs ranked because when you look at this group, and this is with Miles Hartfield uh, being the uh, the player that they sort of projected as the starting nickel in the defense, and I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, although he's competing there for a job as a, as a nickel uh, safety you know, uh, do-it-all special teams sort of a player. and We'll see if Miles Hartsfield, uh, the, the free agent they brought in from Steve Wilkes' Carolina Panthers secondary, is able to make the team. But Charverius- Why
1: do you think it's Hartsfield? Because they go off of a lot of analytical stuff. I wonder if there's something in there where he either translates better than Isaiah Oliver. Is there a chance? I know how high they are on Oliver, so I'd assume Oliver's the guy. But it's just interesting that PFF went that route. With
0: it. I wonder if he had a. I don't have the grades in front of me right now. I wonder if he had like a little better grade, maybe in the in the nickel. Um, maybe they just you know the, he signed first, so they had him sort of penciled in there because the uh, the Oliver signing happened after Hartsfield, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think Hartsfield was the first first person to sign after. Hargrave right for the 49ers so maybe that's why I'm not sure but I, I think we know exactly who the other four starters and we, we know who the nickel's going to be it's going to be Isaiah Oliver we've heard it from the team um Traverius Ward, Diamador Lenore, Tashawn Gibson, and Talanoa Hufanga and even though Talanoa Hufanga was a first team all pro last year I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that PFF gave the 49ers a top 10 uh, defensive back unit here uh, they actually were ranked ninth in the entire league so um I thought that was solid and here's why and it's because the Niners secondary combined to earn an 84.6 coverage grade last season the fourth best mark in the league even though guys like Jimmy Ward departed in free safety uh, in free agency and they also lost defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans to the head coach job in Houston Uh he did they did go on to say the nickel corner third safety rolls up for grabs but still a uh, uh, Strong unit that was tough to pass on in 2022, and it should be solid again in 2023. So that's what they had to say about the San Francisco 49ers defensive back group. And you can go find the whole write-up at PFF.com uh, about where they rank everybody in the league. Croc, do you like the nine ranking? Do you think they could go higher? Do you think they could go lower? What do you think overall about this defensive back group for the 49ers this year?
1: Well, you had me guess where I thought they were. And what did I say, 13?
0: I think you said 13 or 14. And I was, I thought they might have actually been like the offensive line where it was even a little bit lower than that. So uh, they actually really like, and look, it's been hard to pass on the 49ers, uh, but how much of that is on the defensive line and, and how good they are up front, how good the linebackers are in coverage? So do the 49ers play up because their jobs might be a little bit easier than some other jobs for some other defensive backs around the league?
1: Well, that was the interesting part. And I kind of like raised my hand because that was the first time I hit. I did not think the defensive line was good last season. I thought that defensive line went as Bosa went. So it was really a whole lot of Bosa. Bosa or I don't seen. want to say nothing. Nick Bosa and the Kips. Yeah, I mean, it, it was – they were leaning heavily on Bosa. So obviously he's terrific and he's going to wreck some stuff. But if there's a play where he's kind of slow to get there, which happens all the time for defensive linemen no matter who you are, unless you're like prime Von Miller, he was a menace. But – no matter who you are, you know, it's, it's going to take They're going to get you sometimes. Well, quarterbacks had a little bit more time. And for the secondary to hold up the way that they did, I like that because a lot of people have been very disrespectful to the 49ers' secondary, no matter who's been back there over the last few years. And I keep saying, it's not as bad as y'all think. It's not as bad as y'all think. They've gotten a lot of good play out of guys. And I didn't know if it was. Demigo Ryan's or Robert Solid just putting guys in like really good situations, and obviously, I mean, 2019 that's an outlier with that pass rush, but outside of that, yeah, I mean, it, it, the pass rush, I don't, you know, is fairly normal, especially last year, and they still play extremely well. So, put some respect on the 49ers DBs. Put some respect on uh, DeAmadon Lenore, who everybody in that mom is trying to uh, replace. All right, and Traveris Ward. He's the one that – travers Ward's an interesting one to me because I think he's very he's very specific with what he's good at. And he's really more of a press guy, in-your-face, guarding big-body guys. When he's not guarding those type of guys, I think he's a little bit vulnerable in coverage. And I don't think his turn and run is too great when they have him playing off. So I'm actually not worried because I, I clearly understand what his strength is, but I'm more worried. Interested to see, like, just how does he consistently play next year as opposed to Diamond or Lenore? I think I know exactly what I'm getting out of Lenore. I think he's a solid starter. Ward, how do they use him? If they use him at the line of scrimmage more, I think he'll be terrific. But for some reason, he tended to play a little bit of off coverage last year, which I-, I wasn't so much a fan of. That's 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 Emmanuel Mosley. That's what he did well.
0: I think with Ward, it was it was. The beginning of the year, he played a lot. There was some, he had some, he he dealt with some minor injuries. I wonder if they were nagging for him because it seemed like the end of the year, teams were actually going at him more and had more success on his side than actually Domador and Lenore. Because remember, when Lenore had kind of a rough patch, and then all of a sudden Lenore started making plays because teams were throwing at him. He's like, I'm going to take the ball away, then you know. And I love the mentality and I love the way he played, but then teams kind of started having more success even on the other side against Ward later in the season. I think with
1: Lenore, it was Washington and then the Raiders. And and it was kind of like back-to-back. He had a rough go in those two games. But outside of that, I thought he played he played well throughout the year. Yeah, and so I not- think the more he gains confidence and understands exactly what it is that they want him to do and that, hey, if something does bad happen, I don't have to look over my shoulder and see another DB running in. I think that helps you play a little bit more confident, a little bit more loose as well.
0: I can't wait to see what Isaiah Oliver looks like in the slot because I remember him coming out of school and I, I watched him early in his career as an outside corner and he was a player I really liked for the 49ers. In fact, yeah. that was the Dante Pettis. He was my shadow 49ers pick for the Dante Pettis selection. That second round in 2018 um, really thought he was a great fit for what the 49ers did. And he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't really that good for the Falcons on the outside kind of took off as a nickel corner, but he's not, built like your traditional nickel corner. And usually when a guy is over six feet tall, over 200 pounds, and you move inside from corner, you move to safety. And so I'm surprised he actually ended up being a nickel. So he matches up really well with the big nickel with tight ends and players like that. But I'm really curious to see him against the quicker, smaller slot variety of receivers in the NFL. So that's fascinating to me as well. Because if you just saw the 49ers, you're like, here's your five defensive backs. You would say, that guy's either a safety or an outside corner when you're looking at Oliver. And you'd say Diamondo Lenore is probably the nickel guy, but they're going to be flipped in this defense.
1: Right. And Diamondo Lenore is the one that ended up starting in the nickel. And now they're like, no, we want you to just play outside and we're going to have Oliver inside. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of Carlos Rogers. Remember, Rogers came over, he was an outside guy, then he kind of slid inside and, and he would definitely play in the slot in nickel situations. And he was a bigger nickel. You, you didn't see a whole lot of that, and that was kind of unique even to that team because they had other guys who actually thought played well. Cox, remember Cox? He was number 20. That He came in. He played well. There were some other nickels that they had during that time as well, but but Carlos Rogers ended up being the guy that really kind of
0: held it down. I wonder if – is it a little clue to how the 49ers are going to play? Maybe more nickel? Want a little bigger nickel slot corner to be able to defend the run better? Uh, we've seen guys like J- Jalen Ramsey recently play a lot more in star that position, position, almost like a, a star player for the 49ers. I wonder if that's the idea that it's almost like a three safety look, but it's a bigger corner. Um They could probably use Jair Alexander in that role as well if they want, or Jair Brown, if they wanted to use uh, uh, a, a safety, a third safety on the field as well, you could put. Brown back, you could put Hufanga there. So there's a lot of things they could do if that's the look, especially letting Alshair walk. Are they going to go more two linebacker, five DB looks, even in their base defense?
1: Well, you got some speed in Winters, so I'm curious to see if Winters get on the field, and, and he might be someone that allows you to play a little bit more coverage with linebackers out in space, just his ability to kind of chase and pursue, even though I think he's still more of a downhill player. Like, you know, even if it's running at a 45 degree angle downhill, I don't know how much you want him moving back and having to cover. That's still something that it wasn't a huge responsibility for him at TCU, but he's a guy I wonder if he allows him to play more base, almost like reminiscent of the Seattle Seahawks for a lot of years. I mean. Seahawks, I mean, there was a time where I felt like they didn't come out of their base defense. They just kept their linebackers on the field. They knew exactly their job. They had Cam Chancellor out there playing that, uh, you know, role that he played. And then you had Earl Thomas and, and obviously the corners with Maxwell and Sherman on the outside. I mean, they just they didn't change up what they were doing. And I wonder if 49ers potentially can go towards that. But again, I mean, I don't think you signed Isaiah Oliver to not use him on the field a lot.
0: 49ers top 10 defensive back unit in the nfl let us know what you think where do you think the 49ers should rank there and how good could they be on the back end in 2023 next i want to talk about nick bosa's contract projection and a storyline that nobody's really talking about surrounding the 49ers approaching training camp next Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribed up, becoming an everydayer on YouTube or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. And check out the rest of what the network has to offer, like the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, myself and former NFL scout Matt Williamson breaking down the entire league daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So I urge folks out there to go back because our guy Brad Spielberger, speaking of pro football focus, uh, he, we did a whole episode with him uh, projecting what the contract was going to look like this off season for Nick Bosa and I did see a tweet recently and, and they've been putting out a lot of content at PFF recently uh, about what that projected contract is going to look like for Nick Bosa for the 49ers and um, you know 33 and a half million dollars per year is, is what that projection is five years 167.5 million dollars um, again that's from Brad Spielberger of pro football focus does a fantastic job formerly of and I think he does still do some work with overthecap.com, who, who is the best in the business doing that cap stuff so Nick Bosa, he was at voluntary minicamp, right? He was not at OTAs. He was doing his thing back at his home uh, his home studio, his home gym in Florida. But Croc, uh, this is too big of a contract. I can't imagine that Nick Bosa shows up to training camp without this deal being done. So right now at 49ers HQ, this is project number one, getting Nick Bosa's contract done. And this is potentially something, we saw with his brother. Remember when his brother was drafted and there was that contract dispute, something yeah. like minors about offsets or something like that. The bosses have been around, they're not going to get taken advantage of either. So Nick Bosa is going to he's going to compete with this contract and this is a big one. And the 49ers need to get him signed so he can get his butt into camp by at least day 2 or day 3 even if he misses day 1 which which tends to happen sometimes. So it'll be interesting. Niners done a good job. There was Kittle, then it was um then it was Warner, then it was Debo. And no matter how much hand wringing, and there was a lot more drama last year with Debo, but they got those contracts done. I have a feeling they'll get it done with Bosa, but no one's really talking about it. Like he's not going to show up if that deal's not done.
1: $33.5 million annually is a lot of money for a non quarterback.
0: And you know what? I think Brad Spielberger might have upped that a little bit from when he was on the podcast in, in I think it was February when we had him on. And I, I, I know he said it's going to go over 30, but I think he said more like. 30 32 if okay. i if, but I can't remember but anyway yeah 30 what i'm
1: looking at right now from him is 33 and a half
0: and that was before free agency so numbers kind of i'm sure some numbers went up since then although uh i can't think of like the Niners signed the highest paid defense alignment in free agency so there's no new deals done there but i mean whatever it is nick Bosa is going to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the nfl or he's not uh, going to be in camp
1: you go back a few years. and I say a few years because it seems like it was three years ago when the 49ers originally signed Jimmy Garoppolo, but it was really more like five, six years. Crazy, right? Like how fast
0: yeah, time was, flies. Was 20, he was
1: the highest paid player in the NFL for a little bit at like $27 million a year.
0: The highest paid player in NFL history, Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: At 27. So now we're, you know, fast forward some years and we're not even talking about a quarterback because they're making Half a billion dollars. We're talking about an edge rusher making 33 and a half. And he's worth it. So what do you do? You just got to pay him. I talked about last year. It felt like it was Bosa and the crew. Right? Like it was, the, the D-line kind of went as Bosa goes. And 49ers, they gave up a lot for uh, uh, Trey Lance, Ticket Trey Lance. And luckily for the 49ers, they've done a terrific job of just winning regardless. And then if you hit on, uh, Purdy. I mean, that's an even bigger win. But where you do kind of lose is for the last couple years, you just haven't had first round picks. So, and now that would be three first round, three three years that you just don't have guys to go towards edge rusher, go towards offensive tackle, some of these impactful positions. Even though it would have been late picks, but you know maybe you could have had a trade up from there to get a guy that you saw kind of falling as an edge rusher and whatnot. So. Uh, that's where it kind of hurts. I feel like Bosa doesn't have help, and because of these guys starting to get paid, Debo just got paid. Kittle, one of the highest-paid tight ends in the league. You paid Trent Williams. You you paid Fred Warren. I mean, they're all getting paid, right? So you got to draft very well to help offset some of this money right here, half million annually for Nick Bosa. And I think that's where, although he's worth it, it can kind of hurt them a little bit because it's all on you. You can't get hurt.
0: You can't get hurt. And we I know we made jokes about Jimmy W, right? Jimmy Garoppolo and all, and all the wins in his, and the quarterback wins stat. But um, if you look at the 49ers since 2019, uh, there's a lot of Bosa wins there. And if you look yeah. at how the team goes, he was hurt in 2020. They were not good. He wasn't on the team yet in 2018. They were not good. He was on the team and healthy in 2019, 2021, and 2022. And where did the 49ers go those three years?
1: Minimum NFC championship game.
0: <laughs> he's, he's the most important player on the football team so get him signed and by god stay healthy nick Bosa. Yeah. Things are going to change in subsequent off seasons, starting this coming off season. Like this is a huge window for the 49ers to have as many of their stars together right now because you've got age for uh for Trent Williams, you know, he was contemplating retirement already. He, he's not going to play for five more years, right? He might play for one or two more years. I have no idea. Maybe this is his last year. I'm not sure. Um, you got the IU contract that needs to be done. Uh, Juwan Jennings is a free agent too. They're not going to sign both those guys. One of those guys is going to go. Do they trade Juwan Jennings? Do they trade IU next offseason and, and you know, sign Jennings for a lot less? Um, do they potentially trade Debo Samuel? Right. There, there's going to be changes. George Kittle is on the wrong side of 30 now. Uh, uh, guys are getting really expensive like Nick Bosa, and those contracts are going up for those other contracts they've already signed with Debo and Warner. and, uh and who else uh, George Kittle right so th- there's less money to spend elsewhere so they're gonna have to let everybody walk that becomes a free agent and you can only pay a certain caliber of player a certain a certain style of player you can't really bring a lot of free agents in they'll, they'll be able to do what they need to do I'm sure and operate just because you signed one guy and Nick Bosa doesn't mean you can't do anything else like that you know but they're gonna have a huge portion of their salary cap with their star players and um so having the right quarterback that's not too expensive, not neat, not feeling the need to go out and get Kirk Cousins next offseason, right? So uh really interesting time for the 49ers this year. This is their most talented year probably in this oh. in this era. And, and it's not going <sighs> to be and it's, it's going to be more talented than last year. It's going to be more talented than 2019 and it's going to be more talented the next year, which is the key. Like, I, think- I don't think they're going to be better next year than they are this year.
1: I think heading into 2020, that might have been that might have been the most talented. Now they just had a plethora of injuries. Everybody just injury
0: hurt. plagued COVID year. Yeah,
1: yeah, but heading into the season, that might have been the most.
0: I'll take this squad. I'll take 2023. I think potentially better at quarterback. Potentially better. Definitely better at running back. Oh yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm forgetting about running back. Who's running well, back? McCaffrey, yeah, no. but th- th- that's the other thing. Is, is McCaffrey going to play twenty games again? If there was a prop at FanDuel, I would bet against any running back playing twenty games, especially a guy who just played twenty games last year. I mean, that's tough. That's a he lot was banged out. up. Did you hear Greg Papa talking about how he didn't think Christian McCaffrey was going to be able to play in the uh, NFC Championship game? Oh wow! Yeah, he was. He was hurt more than I think we realized at the end of the year.
1: Was calf? I believe.
0: Yeah, it was calf and shin or something. It was—I I know there was a calf, but there might have been more. I always wondered that, man. There, there's so much stuff going on with injuries with NFL players that I, I don't think we fully know about. We know about the things we're allowed to know about. I think.
1: Well, I can tell when he ran through four guys, and
0: that was the. Pl- it it was like and- – that was like the play where it's like, oh, my God, is Chris McCaffrey going to keep the 49ers in this game without Brock Purdy? And then second half, then you lose Josh Johnson. It's like, all right, well, unless he plays quarterback and wins it for him, then there's no chance anymore. But that was that was an amazing run. And the 49ers were close. It, like, go back and watch that game. You forget how close they were still at halftime.
1: The defense started pressing. That's what it was. So you started getting some kind of uncharacteristic penalties. It, it was – they knew, all right, it's, it's on us to win the game. And I think they were trying to make a play and they, they pressed a little bit. And, and, and I think that's what happened because that was, that was kind of really how the game got away from them. There, there were just these uh, penalty aided drives for for the uh, Eagles on top of a fumble right before the you know, halftime by uh, Josh Johnson and things like that, that, that really, really helped them So
0: All right, we are coming back tomorrow. We've got another winky Wednesday. I do appreciate everybody for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Crock and I back tomorrow. Locked On 49ers.